Good morning. So one month down, how's your 2021 going? I guess for me, it feels a lot of the same, except it's a little bit colder outside. You know, some things are happening that were happening before and some new things have happened that we wish wouldn't have happened. And now we're all just waiting for 2022, I guess. No, it's, it's easy to drift into ambivalence and melancholy, but there's actually a lot to be hopeful for in this coming year. Um, we're going to get a new James Bond movie and a sequel to Coming to America and a film rendition of the classic sci-fi novel Dune. It's like Hollywood sending us this subtle hint like it's as if they're trying to take us back to a time when America had it all figured out, right? The 80s. <laughs> um, we can also anticipate a Friends reunion. Um, Broadway classics West Side Story and Into the Heights are being transformed for the big screen. And we're getting a fourth Matrix film that no one was really asking for. <laughs> so it's going to be a great year for movies. Um, also, to the incredible relief of Mike Cook and the storyline band, Adele is finally rumored to release new music for the first time in five years. And Taylor Swift just committed to seven new albums before June. So it's, it's going to be a wild year for media. Even if we're allowed to leave the couch this year, who's, who's going to want to? me. I'm, I'm definitely going to want to as soon as I'm able. No, obviously I'm being tongue in cheek, right? Like I'm not, I actually am really excited for the fourth matrix movie. And there's a lot, truly a lot to hope for in this new year. From a storyline perspective, we're excited about how this year has begun. Our, our new connected conversations have been an awesome way for us to gather and find some sense of community again. If that's something that you're craving, I would encourage you to join us. We're working towards being able to offer something six days a week. And coming in February, we're looking to add a yoga and meditation group and men's and women's Bible studies. And, and on the horizon, we have a, a new marriage group that we're hoping to start uh, as, as soon as this spring. Um, so I hope you'll join us. The, the conversation on race and culture that I get to lead on Tuesday nights has been awesome. And what I originally planned on being a four-week series is extending into February and likely beyond that too. So you can get all that information about the connected conversations that are happening now and the ones that are going to be happening in the future on our website, storylinechurch.org. I can't recommend and encourage you enough to join in on those. So anyway, 2021 has been a particularly unique shade of anticipation for me. So today, January 31st, it's officially my last day serving as area director for Southwest Michigan Young Life. And it's weird to say that out loud. My official last day. I've been working for this organization for over 10 years. It's really the only job I've ever had. And the fact that it's coming to an end has weighed heavy on me for the last month. Everything about my life in this current moment has been weaved together by Young Life. And for those of you who are familiar with the organization, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's more than a job. It's a lifestyle. It's a mission. And over time, it becomes an innate part of who you are. Because yeah, Young Life is an organization, but it's also an idea. The entire business model is predicated on relationships being your success metric. We don't make stand mixers or manufacture steel. There's there's no tangible consumable that Young Life staff and volunteers can point to. And that's on purpose. 
Young Life, when executed at its best, isn't about strategy and growth models. It's about relationships. And it's about accepting and embodying grace and then actively and intentionally sharing that same grace with students and parents and volunteers and donors. And over the past month, I've been able to reflect and tell stories. I've had so many phone calls with friends and fellow leaders recapping tales of you know, slapping each other with bacon or hunting snapping turtles or 22-hour bus rides to Colorado and whitewater rafting in Iron Mountain. It, it's truly been a wild ride. And I'm indebted to this church. I'm indebted to Storyline for being a significant part of my time in this role. For my first days with Southwest Michigan Young Life, Storyline and in its community has been there for my family in the good stuff and the hard stuff. So I share all this partly to say thank you. Um, there's been so many of you who've been on our side and Storyline has been one of those beautiful things in our life because it's shaped who I am as a person and who we are as a family. It's why, um, it's why I asked Mike and the band this morning to play the song Beautiful Things. That song in itself has been a musical cross-section between these two pieces of my story. And I have so many memories of singing that song in so many different Young Life and Storyline settings. So I just felt like it fit this morning. It felt unavoidable today.
It's an incredible song of hope and introspection and longing, and it seems to serve as an anthem for those in similar situations. I don't, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but as excited as I am for what's next, leaving Young Life has felt a little bit like a death. I, I felt a deep sense of loss over the last few weeks, and all of it mixed together. That emotional cocktail of this moment has left me only feeling that beautiful thing called gratitude. I'm so thankful for the opportunity Young Life has afforded me, and in so many ways, it was a dream come true, and that dream that many of you played significant roles in making possible. So, thank you. Anyways, <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm, I'm, I'm switching gears here uh, completely, uh, but I'm not sure if anybody's told you this, but parenting is really hard, like really hard. Plenty of people tried to warn me, and I didn't hear them or didn't believe them, or, or even it's harder than what they tried to tell me it was gonna be. There's so much pressure to get it right. So many Instagram accounts and parent blogs and books that put so much pressure on every decision you make. It, it's like there's this little voice that's constantly in the back of your mind that tells you every time that I give in or discipline or try to be some kind of authority figure that I'm just setting Bo up for a lifetime of therapy. <laughs> But, what am I supposed to do with this? What kind of feeling am I supposed to try and process with Bo in this moment? What kind of connection was he longing for as he spiked my stainless steel water bottle into the screen during the middle of Toy Story 4? I was at a total loss. So I sent him to his room and I walked away for a moment because I needed, I needed to collect myself. I know every toddler has tantrums and meltdowns and every toddler pushes buttons and knows how to get under our skin, but this was not a typical toddler moment. We've been swimming in those for 11 months. No, this was a particular instant. He was calm and happy. We were about to go spend the evening with grandpa and out of nowhere, bam, smashed. So while gathering my thoughts, trying to figure out how do you parent in this type of situation when uh, your kid smashes your TV beyond repair, um, while gathering those, sh those thoughts, I shot a picture of the TV to my dad and I facetiously asked him if he had any advice. Uh, he was sympathetic and he went to Bo's defense like any great grandpa would say, um, but then he said this. He texted, it's something that can be replaced. Your reaction will last a lifetime. And when I got it, I, I glossed over it, mostly because it annoyed me. And it annoyed me because he was right. Bo will have to be reminded that he did it. 20 years from now, when that TV is buried 300 feet in the water landfill, I imagine a scenario where we're laughing as we retell the story, and it will be like he's hearing it for the first time. He's not going to remember breaking the TV, but he is going to remember how Allie and I reacted to him breaking the TV. It was really our first opportunity to teach him what grace looks like and for him to maybe, just maybe, grasp it. You may not be surprised to hear that there's something in the Bible about this. <laughs> Why else would I be telling this story, right? Um, but actually, it's not just one story. It's the whole story. In Hebrew folklore, um, the, the, 
kind of the mythos or the, the Hebrew posture that undergirds the whole Bible is this perception that God acts as our father and the earth as our mother. And it's through their divine dance that all life comes to be. The spiritual and the material and holy matrimony. And we are the children. We are the product of that father breathing into the dust of the earth to give us this beautiful thing called life. And it's through grace that we come to be. God gives of himself so that we could have something for ourselves that we don't deserve. Life. And even more than that, God showers us with even more undeserved grace by giving us the freedom to decide what to do with that gift. It's as if God gives us the remote to the TV and says, you can watch whatever you want. So we took that remote. We took our freedom. And, and what did we do with it? We redeemed war with war. We enslaved people. Not because of something they did, but because of something they were. We pillaged in the name of victory. We valued productivity over peace and territory over relationship and compliance over innovation. We built walls to keep people out and we built idols to keep people in. We freely did all of that and more and when we found ourselves under the thumb of impression, we blamed our dad. We took his gift and we smashed it. How would you react as a parent? How did God react? Well, he came down. He came down to earth as one of us, taking on the shape and limitation of his kids as a man, as a human man named Jesus. And I wonder what kind of texts Jesus would have sent God when he got here. <laughs> hey, Dad, got any advice for how to deal with this? Or this? Or this? I wonder if it was worse than he imagined. I wonder how he wanted to react. How he would have, how would have an unrestrained and un-Jesus, unhinged Jesus responded to what he saw when he got here? Would he have wanted to send pillars of fire and swarms of insects? Would he have wanted to reject and abandon us? I know that's how I wanted to react. I was so mad in the moment when I saw that TV smashed. Bo knows the rules. He's not allowed to touch the TV. So there has to be a consequence, right? Yeah. There does. And Jesus knows that. And it's why he came in the first place. Something had to be done to respond to the chaos that humanity had devolved into. Greed, blame, slavery, war, famine. This was not the garden that God had intended it to be. So armed with a message of radical inclusivity and an arsenal of grace and love under the banner of redemption, Jesus positions himself as one of us to save us from ourselves. We all know how the story ends, right? Jesus is accused of blasphemy and heresy by the leaders of a religion that was meant for peace but was distorted by an affair with a tyrannical republic. And he was sentenced to torture and death because that message, that message of inclusion and grace, well, it was just too scandalous. 
we looked God in the face and we laughed at him. We mocked him and we cast him aside. This was the God of the universe, the same God whose breath flows in our lungs, the same God who spoke and from his words came beauty and joy and goodness, the same God who had delivered his people from slavery more than once. And yet when they looked him in the eyes, they drove nails in his hands and hung him on a cross to die a criminal's death. So, yeah, buying a new TV doesn't feel like that inconvenient. But here's the thing that baffles me, and I just can't wrap my head around it. Even while hanging there on the tree, gasping for every breath, he only thought about us. Some of his last words, some of his last words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Maybe a modern way of saying that would be, it's something that can be replaced. Your reaction will last a lifetime. And here's the even crazier thing. Jesus loved doing it. He had to love doing it. It's the only reaction that was worth it. It had to have been the only way. Or else I, I can't believe he would have done it. You see, it's because he loves us that he wants to save us. Not because he's obligated to, but because he is desperate to. In the name of love, with arms open wide enough for all of us, the God of the universe willingly and joyfully suffered so that one day we might let him love us. I tried to repress it Carried its crown Reached out to undress it Love let me down Love let me down So I tried to Almost drove myself crazy His words led to you I 
So, true confession, I, I really struggle to throw things away. I'm not at a hoarder level yet, but I, I don't let go of memories very well. Actually, I blame, I blame Toy Story for this. Somewhere deep in my subconscious is a belief that my material possessions are secretly sentient and are discreetly living life behind the scenes. And so I have all these tchotchkes that I can't throw away and they're spread across my house acting as monuments to memories from my life. For instance, this is my first Beanie Baby. Uh, I was six years old and I remember the store my mom bought it from like it was around the corner from my house today. I wish I could say it was the only one I kept, right? Uh, this is a shark jaw that I begged and demanded my parents buy me while we were on vacation in Belize. And it still hangs in my home office. <laughs> this is my uh, moose booster hat from the summer I spent teaching kids how to water ski at Upper Peninsula Bible Camp. And, th and this is the cream soda bottle from my last trip to the Boundary Waters with Young Life Kids. Uh, 
All of these things would mean nothing to anyone else. They're junk and they're clutter, they're dust collectors. The, the Beanie Baby doesn't even have the tag anymore. It's absolutely worthless, but I cannot throw them away because I'm afraid that if I do, the memories will go with them. And I imagine I'm not the only one who feels this way. Even the most organized and minimalist of people keep their most sentimental things despite their lack of value or function. These tchotchkes are both worthless and priceless. They ground us and center us and serve as a reminder for the most pivotal moments of our lives. And then the season where all we want to do is shake off the dust of 2020 and move on into a new year, it's critical that we hold on to our tchotchkes. Um, this is a loaf of bread and this is a bottle of wine. No, Mike Cook and I aren't about to have a party today, although that would be fun. Uh, no, these, these are the tchotchkes of faith. And on the night before his death, Jesus gathered his closest friends for one, for one last meal together. And as they ate, Jesus collected their attention and he picked up the loaf of bread. And he broke it in half and says, this is my body broken for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. He does the same with the wine, right? He pours everybody a glass. Everyone at the table got a glass of wine. And he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this, do this in remembrance of me. That raw and candid moment shared between friends in their final minutes together has been memorialized in the Christian tradition and has become known as a ritual called the Eucharist. Eucharist is a combination of two Greek words. It's a big $10 word, but really it's just two words smashed together. It's you, which in Greek means good, and charis, which is also where we get the word Christ, which means gift. So we break this bread and we drink this wine, not because this bread not because this loaf of bread in particular or this bottle of wine are holy, but because all bread and all wine is holy. All bread and all wine are a reminder of the good gift that God has given us. The wheat and the grapes that make up these elements are the beautiful things coming out of the dust of the earth. They are the monuments to the memory that God met us at our worst, looked us in the eyes and said, you are my beloved. And that, my friends, is a reaction that has lasted a lifetime, if not an eternity. Friends, as you gather around a dinner table tonight or later or find a quiet moment between Zoom calls to enjoy takeout leftovers or sneak a cup of coffee with a friend, may you pause for just a moment and remember to let the God of the universe love you. May you remember the good things that have risen out of the dust. They are the testament to the good gifts of life, love, freedom, and grace that we have been purposely given without condition. 
May those gifts inspire us to give back, causing new beautiful things to grow all around us. And friends, when you find yourself in front of a shattered TV, may you remember that grace is irreplaceable and can never be broken. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.